On today's show, the Houston Rockets absolutely dominate the Sacramento Kings for their third win of the season, bringing them to 500 for the first time in over two years. Alperin Shingun with a career high in assists, completely outplaying DeMontis Bonus on both ends of the floor. Okay, Alperin Shingun. Jalen Green with his season high in points looked much better attacking in this game. The defense is legit and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by... FanDuel, make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Lockdown Rockets part of your day every single day. Thank you for being in every day or whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. So much to get to in this one with the Rockets. Really impressive 122-97 blowout win of the Sacramento Kings. They didn't they didn't take just one. They took both games against the Sacramento Kings in this series. And before we get into the specifics on this game and how and why this game was so impressive and everything that happened in this one and kind of what it means for this team moving forward. Uh, I need everybody, all my everydayers, go visit, go pay our friend Matt George uh, a visit over at his uh, Locked On Locked On Sacramento Kings YouTube page. Just go share some thoughts in the uh, in the YouTube comments because he was very confident that the Kings would take both games or at the very minimum split these games when we did our crossover episode previewing these two matchups and the Rockets walk out 2-0. And to celebrate the two the two and zero, I was given one of these fantastic Margarita Monday shirts, and so I am celebrating in the aftermath of these wins because the Rockets are five hundred for the first time in over two years. The last time they were five hundred was October twenty second, twenty twenty one, when they were one and one. To start the season. That's that was Jalen Green's rookie year. That's how long it's been since this team had a 500 record. This game was sensational in a bunch of different facets. The the guy that I want to start with here, though, is Alperin Shingun. Um, he is the the hub, the engine that makes this Rockets offense really hum and go, and he was incredible in this game. Alpi finished with 17 points on 7 of 13 shooting. He was 0 of 2 from long distance. You live with that. 3 of 4 at the free throw line. He had 8 rebounds, 12 assists, a career high in assists in this game from Alpi. He had a steal, and he was a plus 30 in his 26 minutes on the floor. 
flirted with a triple-double. And really what happened in this game is it felt like the Kings made an adjustment to be a lot more aggressive on Fred Van Vliet, not giving him any breathing room, really loading up on him in pick and rolls and just whenever he had the ball in the perimeter. It really felt like the Kings honed in on him after his crazy performance last game. And as a direct result of that, Alp got way more touches. He was kind of the release valve at times for this Rockets offense where Fred would get him the ball in the middle of the floor or they would just result, you know, go directly to Alp on the post. And it was Alp's job to kind of break down the Kings defense. And he did a phenomenal job of that over the course of this game. He very easily could have racked up more counting stats, but the Rockets pulled all their starters. Garbage fourth quarter was entirely garbage time. It actually really even into the third quarter was pretty much garbage time across this game. Alpi had nine assists and no turnovers at halftime. Finishing the game, 12 assists, one turnover. Again, a career-high night for Alper and Shingun. And post-game, uh, Alpi was actually asked... <laughs> If he knew that he was two rebounds away from a triple double and there was a very wholesome moment involving him and, and coach Ime Odoka. Were you aware that you were only two rebounds away from a triple double? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just I need to box out someone all the time and then get my teammates get rebounds. So a little fun happening between Alperin Shingun and Ime Udoka in the Houston Rockets locker room. Uh, and, you know, pregame, I got the chance to ask Ime Udoka about Alpi being the youngest center to hit 500 assists in, in his career. And he, he jokingly kind of said he probably would have hit 500 a lot sooner if he didn't risk every other pass. And I got a follow-up in to say, does he remind you of, of Manu Ginobili at all? And he goes, in the risks that he, with a smile on his face, he goes, in the risks that he takes, yes. And, you know, there's just this, this relationship between Ime and Shingun. And I remember saying very early on when the Rockets first got Ime Odoka kind of back in the, in the offseason, Ime loved Alper and Shingun, loved what he brought to the table as a playmaker. And we're seeing that. We're seeing Ime really embody what Alper and Shingun can bring to the table as a player. And somebody said this either on Twitter or in the YouTube comments. I can't remember where. Um, but it's it's very evident that Ime is hard on Alperin Shingun, but he's hard on him because he believes in how good he can be. Ime has been around greatness for so much of his career with the San Antonio Spurs, future Hall of Famers, all that. And I think he sees some of what what can be what Alperin Shingun can become and wants to harness that. And so he doesn't take it easy on him, right? He's hard on him, but not in the same way that Steven Silas was hard on him, trying to paint him into a box or put him in a corner and expect him to play a very specific way. He's leaning into Alper and Shingun's strengths, and you're kind of seeing that play out where Alpi's the leading scorer for this Houston Rockets team this season. He's leading in rebounds. He is facilitating at a very high level, averaging what, seven assists a game now uh, through these first six games. This is the best Alper and Shingun has ever looked in a Rockets jersey, and it's because, in large part, Ime Odoka identifying his strengths, feeding into them, and having the team kind of play off of what he's good at. I mean, he look, Alper and Shingun has completely outplayed DeMontis Sabonis through these two Kings games, and I think it's time to, it's not even time to have a dialogue or to have a conversation, which I kind of joked about during the game. Alper and Shingun is the better player between him and DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis is a little bit taller, maybe a slightly better rebounder. That's about it. Alpi has him beat in every other statistical category, and the eye test matches that. Alpi has a bag and has craft around the rim, and he's a go-to bucket for this Rockets team. 
it, the Kings dumped the ball down low to Sabonis a few times and Sabonis couldn't do anything because he doesn't have that craft around the brim that Alper and Shingun does. They run a lot of the similar sets, the DHOs, the assists, all that. Alpi's actually got insane court vision. Sabonis is a facilitator in the sense that he has the DHOs, the handoffs kind of built into the Sacramento Kings offense, but he does not have the same vision that Alper and Shingun does you know, as just a pure playmaker. And the fact that LP is 21 and Sabonis is in the prime of his career right now means that LP has nowhere to go but up. Uh, the current numbers that LP's averaging through the first five games of his career, six games of his career, I apologize, only Nikola Jokic has averaged those numbers before in NBA history. I know we can't make those comparisons too often, but uh, it really is... It's so impressive what we're seeing Alperin Shingun do on, on a nightly basis, the way that he's able to attack, the way that he's able to feed his teammates, and the expectations from Ime Udoka, right? He knew that he, you know, he, he jokingly kind of looked over at Ime, and, you know, Ime goes, box out some bonus, that's your job. Like, and and Ime's reaction in the little hallway off to our right when he does it, you know, raising his arms up, like, just box out some bonus. It was just, it was a great little wholesome moment between those two guys. Um and that's why Alpi's your locked on Rockets player of the game. He walks away clear cut with this one. Uh, he was the guy that made everything go for this Rockets team in this game. But coming up, want to get into a little bit of the game flow from this one, how the Rockets were able to jump out to such a such a significant lead early on. The impressive scoring production from Jalen Green, who looked a lot better in this game. We'll get into why he looked better in this game in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, all you have to do is wager $5. It's that easy. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, you can take a look at the outright Super Bowl 58 betting favorites. The Kansas City Chiefs, Taylor Swift's team at plus 490. The Eagles right behind them at plus 500. Got the 49ers at plus 600. The Ravens at plus 850, and then rounding out the top six, you have the Dallas Cowboys at plus 1100, and the Miami Dolphins at plus 1200. So for all those odds and so many more spreads, player props, over-unders, go check out FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started this NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast, home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now let's get into how the Rockets were able to get off to such a strong start against this Kings team. And you got to give credit to two guys. First, Jabari Smith Jr., who drained a couple very, a few very early shots in this game yet again. Uh, uh, more on that a little bit later. And then also Jalen Green, who had 10 first quarter points and was actively like hunting his shot, actively looking for his offense in this game much more than I felt like he had in any game prior to this one. This game felt like more of what we're, hopefully going to see more of from Jalen Green as the season progresses for this Rockets team to be the best version of itself. Now, there's going to be times where Jalen has to step up as a playmaker like he did at the end of last Kings game, uh, the first between these two these two teams. But for this Rockets team to be the best version of itself, Jalen has to be, I think, a scoring threat, especially at times in that second unit where he is the go-to guy and the buck kind of starts and stops with him. He had the 10 first quarter points on his way to 23 points for the evening on just five of nine shooting three of five from long distance, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. That's huge for Jalen green. Being able to get to the free throw line helps unlock so much for him to where 
if he's driving and if he gets physical on these drives and forces, you know, puts the onus on the referees to blow the whistle and like drives directly into defenders, drawing fouls that way, rather than kind of trying to avoid the contact and going for those, you know, finesse, crazy layups that, that feel like they're never going in. He has to brute force it more. And that's what it felt like he was doing in this game. It felt like he was not necessarily predetermining what he was going to do. Ime Odoka has talked about that a lot, where Jalen really felt like he was just taking whatever the defense was giving him. There were times where the Kings were spaced or the Rockets were spaced five out and Jalen was just like, okay, I'm just going to pull it back and I'm going to get downhill and there's no resistance right there at the rim. All I have to do is beat my man and then it's a free layup at the cup. Awesome, we're doing that. There were times where he loaded up and just took an open three-pointer and then there were plenty of times where he drove the ball and just got to the free throw line because he was actually physical on his drives, meeting the Kings defenders at the rim or in and around the basket and forcing the referees to blow the whistle rather than trying to avoid the contact and these little dipsy doodle layups and whatever. Uh, It was a really impressive game from Jalen Green. He felt like he was present early on. It felt like his scoring was consistent. Uh, Really liked what we saw out of him. And hopefully this is something that he can build on, especially the free throw shooting. That's going to be kind of the big one for him moving forward is can he be a guy who's consistently getting to the line, you know, eight to 10 times a game. If he can do that with regularity, then there's no reason why Jalen green can't average like 25 plus a game this year on incredible efficiency, right? Being able to score 23 points on nine shots is absurd levels of efficiency. And that's exactly what we want to see that kind of the, the big leap in Jalen Green's game this year is he doesn't have to, you know, average 25 a game. He could average 20 a game, but if he's doing it on good efficiency, then that is a major step forward in his development, especially when you see how much better he's been, you know, trying to be more locked in defensively, as well as the steps that he's taken as a playmaker. You roll all that together. It's looking very, it, it's going to start looking very promising for Jalen Green here in the not so distant future. Really liked what we saw out of him in this game, but the Rockets as a collective unit, doing a really good job facilitating at a high level. They had 28 assists on their 43 made shots, uh, only uh, 11 turnovers as a team. So 10 individual turnovers. There was an 11th one somewhere in there, like a team turnover somewhere. Um, and I mean, they have done a fantastic job of moving the basketball of sharing the ball. It's not just letting one guy dominate it. Even if they're, leaning heavily on Fred as the, you know, as the primary initiator or in this game, how they were leaning on Alper and Shingun, or sometimes they lean on Jalen green. They don't ever just let one guy dominate the ball and it's, you know, dribble, 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 and then one pass and a shot. They're actively attacking defenses, breaking down the Kings defense, and then moving the basketball around and finding good shots. They're sharing the ball with their teammates. And I I should have done it in segment one, But I do want to know, I want your thoughts in the YouTube comments on your favorite assist uh, from Alper and Shingu in this game. Or we can just branch out. We can say favorite assist overall in this game. It doesn't have to just be from Alper and Shingu. But uh, Alpi had the 12 dimes in this one. Fred Van Vliet had five assists. Jalen had a couple. Uh, There were assists all up and down the roster, really. Uh, For for Alpi, I do like, I will say, it was funny, and it was a good, strong game plan how they kept picking on Kevin Herter uh, defensively or offensively, I guess, uh, where they did it last game where they were disrespecting Dylan Brooks by guarding him with Kevin Herter. This game, there were moments where Kevin Herter was switched on to Jeff Green, and they got 
Jeff Green down low and LP recognized it not once but twice where Jeff Green just had a smaller guy on him. He just gets the ball to him right there in front of the basket and there's little resistance, nothing you can do when you're Kevin Herter matched up with Jeff Green who's just, you know, a lot bigger and stronger than you, frankly. So I thought the Rockets did a great job of uh, exploiting the mismatches in this game, really identifying where their strengths were. Uh, and they shot the hell out of the basketball. Like, like Look, the shooting is probably not going to stay this hot for this long. I mean, they, they managed to shoot 48.5% from long distance, 15 of 31. They were 57% overall from the floor, and they shot 77.8% at the free throw line. Now, I do think the three-point percentages will dip a little bit, like, Look, Dylan Brooks is not going to be the, the best three-point shooter in the NBA all season long. Even in this game, he was one of three three-point shooting. Um, but Fred was three of five. Jalen was three of five off the bench. Jay Sean Tate was actually two of four. Jock Landale was one of two. Uh, Jabari was three of five. Like, there were, there was, this was a phenomenal three-point shooting performance where it wasn't just one guy dominating from three. It was basically the entire team dominating from behind the arc. And that's not going to be consistent. But what is going to be consistent for this team is their newfound defensive identity. And that's what I want to get into next. How the Rockets are able to find ways to exploit teams defensively. How they were able to exploit this Kings team defensively. And why the defense is such an important part of this team moving forward. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Talking the Rockets 122-97 win against the Sacramento Kings. First time this team has been 500 in a little over two years since the second game of Jalen Green's rookie season, which is kind of crazy to think about. And the way the Rockets got here, the way they beat the Kings in the first game, or the way they survived that first game, and the way they won this game, the offense is great. The offense is phenomenal. And seeing this this Rockets team kind of seeing so, some of the players really start to realize their potential with Jabari Smith Jr. hitting his threes, with Jalen hitting his outside shots and getting to the free throw line, with Fred stepping in and hitting his shots, all of it, with Al P dominating and facilitating at a high level, that's all great. Defense, this team is only going to go so far as what their defense, or as where their defense takes them. Currently after this game, the Rockets are ranked 13th in defense in the NBA. Ime was not joking when he talked about this team, wanting this team to be a top 10 defense. And I was confident in our preseason predictions in this Rockets team being able to become a top 10 defense. You wipe away that, uh, what was it? The, uh, the opening night game against the, <clears throat> pardon me, against the Orlando Magic. And the Rockets are actually number seven defensively in the NBA. If you if you completely get rid of the opening night clunker, then they are seventh in the NBA right now in defense. And I think that's sustainable. We have a five-game sample size, and there were even moments in that Magic game where they locked in defensively. But we have a decent enough sample size to be able to, I think, confidently say, this Rockets team is going to be a force on the defensive end. And a big part of it is communication. A big part of it is, is effort and communication. Those are kind of the two main keys to this Rockets defense. And the effort has been there. The effort was even there in the Magic game. Like, you know, they, they were frustrated and at points some guys were kind of hanging their heads a little bit. But it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, they just were getting beat because they weren't communicating as well that game. The communication has been phenomenal since then. The, when you watch the way that the Rockets navigate and handle their switching assignments, the way that guys communicate when they're off ball, making sure that every guy is where he needs to be, 
the fact that guys are constantly communicating and discussing things in transition, matching up perfectly, preventing those easy transition buckets. There's a reason they're a top defensive or a top transition defense team this season as well. And the fact that Ime Odoka is very is very capable at identifying a weakness and addressing that weakness in real time is so impressive. He identified over the offseason, hey, we were a terrible transition defense team. Then what do they do? They come in. They're one of the top defensive transition team, top transition defensive teams in the entire association because he made it a point to make sure that they were going to be able to get back in transition, match up with their guys, and not give up those easy transition opportunities. Now, what was the next thing that he did? He identified the fact that the Rockets were the worst team in the NBA as far as defensive rebounding. And guess what? They've beaten the Kings now in two back-to-back games. A team with DeMontis Sabonis in the middle, who is a a lot to deal with as far as, as we know, box out Sabonis. Um, They were the better rebounding team in back-to-back games against the Sacramento Kings. That's impressive. Being able to identify those weaknesses and address them in real time. The Rockets' defense is... In large part, I mean, look, Fred VanVleet and Dylan Brooks have been phenomenal, but it hasn't just been them. They've elevated the defense as a whole, and they're helping kind of convey Ime's message and help with the communication, and their their defense has been phenomenal on an individual basis. But the level at which the team, the collective, is playing defense is so impressive. Jabari's defense has been better. Jalen's defense has been better situationally. There's still moments where, you know, he lags a little bit behind where he gets caught kind of ball watching defensively, that kind of thing. But those moments are fewer and further between than they were in the past where he's getting better. He's more locked in defensively. Same for Jabari. LP has been incredible on defense. There are moments where like LP is dealing with Sabonis in the post and he's got him one-on-one and there's nothing he can do about it or he's muscling up to him. He's bodying up to him. There were even moments where Jabari was switched on to Sabonis down low and held his ground against DeMontis Sabonis, who is a handful. And Jabari was able to take like the first, like, you know, a first hit or two. And then, you know, Dylan Brooks comes over to help or, or Fred Van Vliet comes over to help and they swarm the ball to force Sabonis to pass out. And Ime talked about the game plan after the fact being, you know, how they were able to, you know, neutralize Sabonis so much in these two games, which in this game, uh, this second win, Sabonis only had eight points, eight rebounds, and five assists, and only four shot attempts. Four shot attempts for DeMontis Sabonis, the King's best player with De'Aaron Fox out. And he only had four shot attempts. And a big part of that was because he's a lefty and the Rockets forced him away from his left hand. They did everything that they could to force him away from his left hand to try to take that away from him. And Ime highlighted that post game. Going into these games, there's this, and shout out to a good friend of the program, good friend of Rockets Watch, uh, Manny, who was actually at this Rockets game, sitting behind, you know, a few rows back from the Rockets bench and was able to kind of relay the fact that in real time behind the Rockets bench, You know, you've got assistant coaches and kind of showing the inner workings of what's going on live during the game. You've got coaches back there who are looking, actively looking at film, breaking it down in real time, conveying that message to the assistant coaches. Then the assistant coaches, Ben Sullivan, Royal Ivy, whoever, conveys it to Ime. And then Ime is making adjustments on the fly based on what the Kings are doing, what sets they're running, what looks they're trying to get. That is a well-oiled machine. I don't know if we ever saw that happen at the last regime with the assistant coaches, with Steven Silas, where they're looking at film and conveying information in real time and making real-time adjustments. The Rockets coaching staff is a well-oiled machine. It starts at the top with the communication. Ime is very clear in his communication, in his 
uh, in the bar for success for this team and what he wants out of this team. And that's where you're seeing the team really embody this new identity. And it starts with Ime. And one of the, and this is like a perfect encapsulation of who Ime is as a coach. Rockets are up like 30, 35, 40, whatever it is in the fourth quarter. And Ime gets pissed about a defensive breakdown in the, he's up 30. Like the game is over and he's over on the bench and the Rockets had a defensive breakdown with, you know, Bobby and the Vipers or whoever was out there at the time. And Ime gets up and he's, he's upset off the bench, calls a timeout even like they're, that's the kind of coach Ime Odoka is. He does not settle for anything less than what his version of perfection is. But at the same time, he's not going to penalize you. He wants to help these players grow and get to where he believes they can be. So I've loved the new identity for this Rockets team. This is the most excited that I've been about Houston Rockets basketball since probably the first year of James Harden, Chris Paul, and the 65-win season. Uh, there's a lot of hope and optimism, and deservedly so, for this group. They have gotten exponentially better every single game so far. And I will victory lap for a quick second because I made the prediction before <laughs> before the Hornets game that I thought they were going to take the Hornets game and snowball that win into two wins against the Kings and that they would be three and three. And shout out to everybody who went back and found that tweet and shared it and, and you know, ran the victory lap with me because there were a lot of Kings fans who were talking real reckless in the comments under that tweet saying, you know, the Kings are better then the Rockets, even without De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis and Rockets aren't winning anything and this, that, and the other thing. And so had to run a little victory lap there. That's a lot of fun. I missed this team being good and being able to talk smack to other organizations. It's a lot of fun. A uh, couple other things from this game that I wanted to highlight. Uh, I want to point out the fact that Jay Sean Tate has been playing out of his mind off the Rockets bench. Um, he's been quite easily their best bench player so far this season. And that that may change with Tari Eason's return. We don't know what Tari's going to look like in this new uh, this newfound Rockets team, this new identity with Ime Odoka. Tari could look sensational as well. Tari might come in and average like 15 and 10 off the Rockets bench. Who knows? Which on that note with Tari Eason, he is very, very close to return. He should be practicing again. And uh, his return is coming very, very soon per Ime Odoka uh, and kind of addressing that uh, pregame before the Rockets-Kings game. So, but, but but back to Jay Sean Tate here. I mean, he had eight points on three of five shooting. He was two of four from long distance. He had four rebounds. He had an assist, a couple steals, and some incredible defense against the Kings in this game. And I want, there there are a lot of Rockets fans that owe Jay Sean Tate an apology because one, if that three-point shot is legitimate this year, which as it stands, he's shooting just under 55% from three uh, on decent enough volume that you feel okay about it. If he can keep up the three-point shooting, he is a very different player because that was basically the only weakness in his game. Yes, he's 6'4". Yes, he's a little undersized for his position, but he plays his ass off. And he plays bigger than he actually is on the floor. He's one of the best rebounders on the team. He's easily this team's probably second best individual man-to-man -man defender behind Dylan Brooks. And being able to throw lineups out there that feature uh, Dylan Brooks and Jay Sean Tate defensively have been absolutely sensational. Seeing those guys kind of hound the, the elite scorers of the other team, the switchability between those guys, Tate has been incredible. He was a plus 28 off the Houston Rockets bench. Clearly the Rockets best bench player in this game. His plus minus was very close to that of Van Vliet, Shingun, and Dylan Brooks, who were all uh, plus 30 or better 
in this game. And that's because when he's in the game, he makes good things happen, right? He makes the hustle plays. He does the dirty work. He knows exactly his role. And being able to pair him with Tari Eason coming off the bench as soon as Tari makes it back to the lineup and further down the line, Amin Thompson coming off the bench, this Rockets defense is going to be suffocating. Uh, top 10 defense is definitely on the table, you know, uh, on the table for this team. Top five defense might be a possibility, all things considered. And the last guy I want to mention here is uh, Aaron Holiday, who was such a sneaky good pickup for this Rockets team. Um, I was in favor of the Aaron Holiday signing before it actually happened, and then they made it happen. Uh, I thought he would be a great pickup based on his three-point shooting, uh, just kind of that nice veteran third-string piece to have. He has stepped into that backup guard role seamlessly for this Rockets team. Uh, Very impressed with his play so far. And, you know, honestly, having a veteran out there in place of Amin Thompson, there's some pros and cons to it. You know, obviously Amin is is the bigger player, 6'7 versus 6' tall. You know, Amin might have some innate defensive instincts, but having that veteran stabilizing force out there in Aaron Holiday, I think has played a, a pretty significant role in these past two wins against the Kings. Not to say that they wouldn't have been able to do this with, uh, with Amin Thompson out there instead of Aaron Holiday, but Holiday just provides a different skill set. He's a, he's, a more polished because he's a veteran, all these things. So potentially a bit of a blessing in disguise here for the Rockets that Aaron Holiday has been given these minutes um, instead of Amin Thompson, because again, Ime has been tasked with not only winning games, but also developing the young guys. And that's kind of one of the drawbacks is Amin Thompson is still a rookie. He's still really raw. There's still some clunkiness to his game as he's figuring things out. So not that the injury is necessarily a good thing, but hopefully, obviously, speedy recovery. Wish him the best. And, you know, Jalen previously has talked about missing time and seeing more things on film while he was sitting out. So hopefully this gives a man a chance to really study and see the team from afar and come back and be better equipped to slide back into that backup point guard role with a bench unit that is hopefully going to be a lot stronger featuring Tari Eason and maybe even some Aaron Holiday minutes even after Amin Thompson comes back uh, because Aaron Holiday's absolutely earned his rotation minutes now. I Once Amin Thompson is back, we shouldn't ever see Reggie Bullock get minutes ahead of Aaron Holiday. Like, Aaron Holiday has been great in his time on the floor. Reggie Bullock has really struggled. It's been kind of disappointing for this team. And kind of the weak link on this team right now is Jock Landale a little bit? I think that that like backup center is definitely maybe a position that has been a little less than great for this Rockets team. Still want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he was phenomenal last year with the Suns. Probably still dealing with some lingering issues from that ankle injury, trying to get back up to 100%. I doubt he's playing at 100% right now. So still want to give Jock some time before we get out, before you know completely jumping off the train there. But Backup center, those minutes have definitely been kind of a sore spot for this Rockets team. Uh, but the bench at large has been a bit of a sore spot. So despite that, the Rockets were dominant in this game from from the tip, uh, from the tip to the to the end. Damn it. Pause. I couldn't I couldn't say it and not immediately think of Clint Capella saying that. Uh, Clint Capella, a guy who would look great in a Houston Rockets jersey if they want to go secure a backup center from somewhere, uh, might be able to be had from the Atlanta Hawks uh, for relatively cheap. That's an that's a topic for another day though. So with that, uh, appreciate you for checking out the show. It is a great Houston Rockets win, 122-97. Rockets are now three and three, 500 on the season, and. Things are looking great 
for this Houston Rockets team. So be on, you know, get on board the hype train. This Rockets team is going awesome places this season. I appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Also, go search Locked on Kings and drop a message to our good friend Matt George over at Locked on Kings. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>